Well, good morning, everyone. Um, great to great to see you. Um, whether you, whether you're here here with us uh, on Zoom or whether you're here in the sanctuary, uh, you're very welcome. Um, uh, this morning um, we are um, having our Baptist World Mission uh, Harvest Appeal called "I Will Stand." Um, there is a there is a plate at, at the back, so if you'd like to, uh, you can either put your cash straight in there, or if you're a if you uh, have the facility to gift aid, there's an envelope, a uh, set of envelopes there, which you can fill out, and then you can put your uh, cash inside the envelope, signify that you want to gift aid it, and uh, give that way. Um, if you're on Zoom and you're uh, not part of the church here, if you go on the uh, BMS uh, World Mission website, you can give directly via uh, the website. Um, so that's the I will stand uh, harvest appeal. Um, if, uh, if you're not prepared today and you don't have uh, money with you, we're going to keep this appeal open for two or three weeks so you can bring uh, your money next week. Um, what, what we would ask, though, if you bring your money next week, if you just put it in an envelope marked BMS appeal, then we'll know what it is. Because the trouble is, if you put money in the plate next week, we won't know what it's for. So if you could mark it uh, BMS Harvest Appeal from next week. That will help us to channel it to where it's needed to go. I'm going to read some words from uh, Revelation chapter 5. This is John's vision of um, heaven. And John has a vision on the island of Patmos. And he sees, um, he sees this and he describes it. Verse 11. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands, and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders, and in a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we're here because you are the one on the throne. You are the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. And you are enthroned in heaven. And we come to bow down and worship. We come to declare that you are Lord, that you are sovereign, that you are the all-powerful one from eternity. And we come to say we love you, Lord. And we ask that by your spirit, you would come among us in power. Fill us with joy as we worship. Fill us with your presence. Lord, be enthroned on the praises of your people this morning through the power of your spirit. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's stand and sing, crown him with many crowns, the lamb upon the throne.
just sing that with the voices. Just uh, sing that together with the voices. You can leave that, sir. God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. Jesus. 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 You want to speak out prayers of praise in here? Just uh, raise your hand so that those on Zoom can hear through the microphone. If you're on Zoom, please do unmute yourself and just share praise and adoration, thanksgiving to God. Reading from 1 Peter. Come to him, to that living stone, rejected by men, but in God's sight chosen and precious, and living like stones yourself, built into a spiritual house, and as a holy priesthood to offer prayers and spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God, have a unity of spirit, a love for the present, a tender heart and a humble mind. For this you have been called, that you may attain a blessing. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteousness, and his ears are open to their prayers. Amen. Words of worship from an old hymn. My God, how wonderful thou art, thy majesty, how bright, how beautiful thy mercy seat in depths of burning light. How wonderful, how beautiful the sight of thee must be, thine endless wisdom, boundless power, and awful purity. Amen. You are Alpha and Omega. Mm. We worship you, our Lord. You are worthy to be praised. Mm. We give you all the glory. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my innermost being. 
praise his holy name. Mm. Praise the Lord, all my soul. Mm. Forget not all the benefits, his benefits. Forgives all our sins and heals all our diseases. He redeems our life from the pit and crowns us with love and compassion. Yes, Who satisfies our desires with good things. Now you, as a youth, we may renew it in the, mm. as the evening. The Lord's works are righteous and justice and in all for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. And the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abundant in love. Mm. Thank you, Lord. He will not always accuse Nobody harbour anger forever. He does not treat us as we deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Mm. For as high as the heavens above the earth, so great is the love for those that fear him. We bless your holy name for mm. who you are, who you are. Yeah. You're so awesome. You're so awesome. You're so awesome. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Mm. Praise him, you servants of God. You who minister in the house of the Lord, in the counts of the house of our God. Praise the Lord, for all the Lord is doing is good. Mm. Sing praises to his name. Amen. For that is pleasant. Yes. For the Lord has chosen Jacob even we, to be his own, Israel, to be his transgressions. I know that the Lord is great, mm. that our Lord is greater than all other gods. Thank you. The Lord does whatsoever that pleases him yes. in the heavens and even upon the face of the earth, Thank you, in the seas and all his depths. He makes clouds rise from the ends of the earth. He stands lightnings and sends them with the rain and brings out the wind from the storehouses. Praise mm. the Lord. Amen. Amen. Mm. Amen. Um, it's great to hear a number of psalms read. Um, the psalms are our songbook, aren't they? They're our, um, you know, our praise book. And uh, it's great to hear uh, people sharing the psalms, particularly in this series where we're, we're looking at, uh, at the psalms. Um, we're going to look now at um, our BMS uh, World Mission Harvest Appeal video called I Will Stand. Um, it's a really powerful video, and it's, uh, it's about... Christians who stand for Christ in really difficult places. So uh, I hope this sparks generosity uh, in us to the work of the kingdom. Thank you.
saw Jesus 2,000 years ago. I was watching a vision. It wasn't like a dream. I was there with them. I saw he had 12 students. I saw him healing people, preaching. I hadn't read the Bible, but I saw it happening. When I woke up from the vision, I went to my neighbor, who I knew was a Christian. I told her my story, and she fell to the ground and couldn't say a word. She gave me a Bible and opened it in Matthew. It was unbelievable. What I read, that is what I had seen. In that moment, something inside me changed. The next two weeks were the best two weeks of my life. I was in a very hard situation, and my situation did not change, but I changed. My life started from that moment. I didn't tell anyone I was a Christian because I was afraid. Two years later, I moved countries. I tried every church, but they refused to baptize me. It's an Islamic country. If you change from Islam to Christianity, it really costs lives. I was learning the Bible by myself and searching for eight years. Then God found me a private teacher. It was a miracle. I learned and I started telling my family. I started with my brother. He accepted Jesus. Then I told my older sister, she accepted Jesus. Most of my family are Christians now. After that, we started this small ministry. We're helping people who are in need. We do work here and in my home country. In my home country, so many people became Christians, like 1,200 people. When the neighbors saw this, they tried to harm these people. But the Christians didn't care, even if it cost them their lives. I don't know exactly what will happen, but I want to serve God. When my mom found out I was a Christian, she said, I bore you in my womb, but I wish I didn't. Choosing to follow Christ was not easy. I'm from a Muslim background, and I saw myself on one side and my parents on the other. And I wondered, am I right and they're wrong? I would have rather been wrong and them right. There was no physical violence, but they stopped talking to me. My mom and dad are really dear to me, it was really hard. When my parents stopped talking to me, I was called into full-time ministry. At first, I wanted to have both, my family and the truth. But the truth has set me free, and I cannot not speak it. My ministry is on Facebook, which is really effective for reaching people. I remain anonymous, which gives people more freedom to talk. The people I talk with are Muslims. I understand the people who message with questions because I was once there. I want to learn more so I may be ready to answer as many questions as possible. I miss my family a lot. I do long for them, but I just don't want to give up Jesus. The Lord has performed a lot of miracles for me. He takes care of me. He answers my questions. The little details, they all add up. And when I think of them all, I can't but give all I have for him.
I made a promise that I would not let any Christians live in my area, nor would I let any church nearby survive. I was born into an orthodox Hindu family. I joined an extremist Hindu group and my life's main goal was to catch Christians and beat them up. One day, I met a man and he asked me, why are you doing this? Why are you attacking people who have not done anything to you? And he gave me a New Testament and said, why don't you read it? I started reading the New Testament and then almost every day I wanted to read that book. I saw how, how Jesus taught his disciples to pray and I learned to pray like that. And then one day I read, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? And it hit me. After that, I secretly started meeting with the Christians and learning from them. My village discovered I'd become a Christian and they tried to throw me out. They separated from me and said, we will not give you water to drink and we will not associate with you. It's, uh, it's been more than 20 years and I'm still separated from some of my village, but now out of 30 families living here, 22 families have come to know Jesus. And I pray that one day it will become an entirely Christian village. I also now oversee 150 small groups in my region. I know that following the Lord is not easy. I've suffered persecution and had terrible things done to me, but in all of that, I, I have hope. The Lord Jesus came into my life, taking me from persecution to praise. He's everything to me. He is life. I pray that I will be able to complete the vision that, that God has given me to reach out to as many people as I can. Um, is at the back there, but I'm going to ask if somebody could bring it forward because we're, we're going to pray for this appeal. Um, the plate will go back there at the end, um, but um, I just want to pray for this appeal that God would release generosity in his church here and that he would bless this appeal as, as we give to it. Thank you, Paula. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we, we're deeply humbled and moved by these testimonies that we've heard there of Christians in incredibly difficult places around the earth, Lord, where to stand up for the name of Jesus is to risk losing one's friends, one's family, 
even to threaten one's own life. Lord, we thank you for the incredibly inspiring faith and testimonies that we've heard this morning of all those on the screen. Lord, we stand this morning in prayer with all those around the world for whom standing and declaring that they are Christians brings persecution in all sorts of ways. And we ask you today, Lord Jesus, to stand with these people, to pour out your strength, your comfort, your hope into their hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we pray, Lord, that you would release generosity in this church and in the churches across this land, that, Lord, Bibles would be put into the hands of believers, that, Lord, discipleship programs would spring up and take place, that, Lord, churches would be planted and supported going forward, that men and women and children and people of all backgrounds and ages would come to know Jesus through new home groups, through new discipleship programs, through new church plants, through new ministries. Lord, so we ask that you would take these gifts, bless them, multiply them, increase them, use them to multiply your church, your kingdom in these hard places, that your name would be glorified, that your kingdom would advance and grow to the glory of Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Sorry, Paula, can you uh, stick that back there? Thank you. Children are, are going to uh, go out now, and uh, we're going to read God's word from Psalm 34. So these are David's words. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you who saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. A righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones and not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. 
the Lord redeems his servants. No one will be condemned who takes refuge in him. Let's pray. Lord, these are tremendous words. Lord, help us to believe them, to trust in you, Lord, whatever circumstances we're in today, whatever we're facing, whatever fears we have, whatever the struggles we have, we, we say, Holy Spirit, speak into our hearts, strengthen us, comfort us, teach us, admonish us, inspire us, give us faith. Lord, thank you that your word is living, it's powerful, it's a two-edged sword, it has authority and power to speak into our lives. So Lord, help us to not just be hearers, but doers of your word this morning. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I changed the title of, of this one slightly. Um, it was Worship uh, the Lord in All of Life. But actually, I think a more accurate title is Worship as the Fear of the Lord in All of Life. Um, the theme of the psalm is Fear the Lord, you, his holy people, um, in verse 9. That's the theme um, of this psalm. Um, in the I newspaper on Friday, um, there's, a, there's a, a top 10 risks um, that the public have fed back uh, that they see will have the biggest global impact in the next five to 10 years. So number one, climate change. Uh, number two, pandemics and infectious diseases. Number three, new security threats and terrorism. Number four, cybersecurity risks. Number five, pollution. Number six, natural resources and biodiversity. Number seven, chronic illness. Number eight, geopolitical instability. Number nine, social discontent and local conflicts. And number 10, fi financial stability risks. So there's plenty to be fearful about from a worldly perspective, isn't there? And to that list, we might want to add fear of where we might fill up the petrol tank next. Rising food prices, rising fuel prices. The list goes on, doesn't it? There is much fear and anxiety in our world. But I want to ask this morning, where is the fear of the Lord in all this? Where is the fear of the Lord in our world, our community? Now, sometimes people misunderstand the fear of the Lord for believers. Um, the fear of the Lord is not a cowering fear. It's not a fear of being zapped. Um, sometimes you hear people say, sort of half-jokingly, I can't come to church because God might zap me with lightning. Well, that's not what David means by the fear of the Lord. Rather, the fear of the Lord is described in Deuteronomy 10. You shall fear the Lord your God. Him alone you shall worship. To fear God is to worship him alone. It's to love and serve God before everything else. It's to have your heart set on God and the things of heaven. So where's your heart this morning? What do you really, what do you really love in life? What are you passionate about? Family, career, job, uh, money? What are you really passionate about? Where's your heart? Where's your treasure? 
What's the thing that if you lost it, you would most be, most be brokenhearted about? Is it the Lord? And I ask that with all sincerity. I'm not taking anything here for granted. Because what we love, what we're passionate about, is what we really end up worshipping, isn't it? What we serve, what we submit to, where we spend our time, our money, what we're really passionate about, we end up worshipping. So if we love the Lord before everything else, we will be passionate for him. We will obey him. We will love him. And as we saw last week from Tony, worship is about the whole of life. Worship is a lifestyle. It's about our priorities, our lifestyle in our family, our workplace, our community, as well as in the church. There is not much fear of the Lord these days. God, by many, is treated more like a retired chairman of the board, still respected in many quarters. Um, many people I meet who are not Christians still respect the Ten Commandments and Jesus' teaching, but they have no worship and love of God in everyday life. They don't live their lives in love and worship and service of God. They might respect God, but he has no relationship with them at all. He doesn't intervene in their lives and they don't expect him to intervene in their lives. And our culture tends to salute God, at least on special occasions like, uh, you know, Remembrance Sunday or Christmas or sometimes at Easter. God is saluted, memorialized, ritualized, very often at funerals too. But many people do not have a personal relationship with him and they don't believe that he can really act in their lives or change the world. So they don't fear him in worship. They respect him, maybe. They respect the Bible, certainly, but they don't worship and fear God. Well, Psalm 34 tells us the opposite. Um, the Psalm witnesses to the fact that God is sovereign over every circumstance of life. And David, this is really a, a testimony to God delivering David um, from his distress. If David could say one thing to us this morning, he'd say, God delivered me, he will deliver you. That's what he would say to us. So what's David been delivered from in this psalm? Well, you know that David was working for King Saul. Saul suffered, didn't he, King Saul, with uh, bouts of depression. And he, he even suffered from an evil spirit tormenting him. And he would get David to come and play harp for him, to soothe him. Uh, music has that soothing quality, doesn't it? Um, I don't know, I find music very relaxing, particularly when I'm out walking, just to listen to some music. Well, that's what David did for King Saul. He would play the harp and soothe Saul. But here's where it went wrong. David was also one of Saul's mighty warriors who would get sent into battle to fight the enemy, the Philistines. And David is becoming renowned for killing tens of thousands of Philistines, enemies of the Israelites. And there was one particular occasion where everybody is singing on the streets. When David comes home, they're all singing, David has killed 10,000s 
He's killed thousands. And everybody's there praising David. And Saul becomes jealous. And through the prophet Samuel, Saul learns that his time as king of Israel is coming to an end. And Saul begins to see that, that David is on the rise. And that although he's been rejected, that God is bound to anoint David as king to replace Saul. And so Saul seeks to get rid of David. And he tries pinning him to the wall with a spear, doesn't he? Um, as David is playing, Saul picks up a spear and throws it. And David ducks and gets out of the way. And it gets so bad that David flees from Saul. David flees for his life. Um, David would resonate, wouldn't he, with the stories on the video this morning. Believers who live in dangerous situations. Because David lived in a dangerous situation. But where does David flee to? He flees to his enemy, to King Gath and the Philistines. He ends up in Gath. He's that desperate to escape King Saul that he runs away and hides from Saul, probably thinking, well, Saul will never think that I've gone to the Philistines because these are our enemies. So he runs to, the, to King Gath, the Philistines. What was he thinking? Well, I guess he was so afraid he wanted to get away and not be killed by Saul. And in desperation, David pretends to be mad. He makes marks on uh, the doors of the city gate with his nails. He lets saliva run down his beard. And the king of Gath said to his servants who were saying, look, this is King David who's killed tens of thousands of our people. And so when he's brought to kick the king with all this saliva running down his beard and, and totally crazy, the king isn't interested. He says, look at this man. He's insane. Why have you brought him to me? And he sends him away. So David was able to escape Gath and the Philistines. But what's fascinating about this story in the book of Samuel is that David does not attribute this escape to his own acting ability or ingenuity, but to the Lord, verse six. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. Now, I don't know whether God said to David when David prayed, this is how you're going to have to act. I don't know. The text doesn't tell us. I kind of think that God could do that. God could have told him, this is how you need to act if you're going to escape. But whatever happened, David says, this poor man called and the Lord heard him and saved him. So for David, it's not about him. It's about the Lord. So I want to look at three things that we can learn about what it means to fear God in times, particularly when we find ourselves in trouble. Um, but this, can, this fear of the Lord is for all of life, whether you're going through trials today or whether you're not. It doesn't matter. We are to worship God by fearing him in three ways. First, we are to bless the Lord at all times. Second, we are to trust in the Lord who answers prayer. 
And third, we are to enjoy God's goodness by living good lives. So fearing the Lord is not what we've perhaps been taught to believe it is. Fearing God is about blessing God, it's about trusting in him, and it's about enjoying God. That's a bit different from a caricature of fear, isn't it? Enjoying God? Yeah. If God is the God of goodness, if he's beautiful, if he's glorious, if he's good, to enjoy him is, is to fear him. So first, we are to bless the Lord at all times. Verse one, I will bless the Lord at all times. I that, this is the ESV, by the way. It's, it's a better translation than the NIV. The word is bless, not extol. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. We had this idea in the psalm that Tony preached on last week, didn't we? That the praise of God should continually be in your mouth. So if you're in the bath, if you're in the shower, his praise should be in your mouth. I don't know what your scene's like in the shower. Um, I, I find that the noise can drown it out, so it's quite a handy place to sing, actually. Singing on the canal tends to turn heads, but sometimes I find myself singing as I'm walking down the canal. Wherever we are, we can give praise to God, can't we? Thank you. To bless is to speak a good word about somebody. Don't we want to speak a good word about God? Uh, God speaks a good word about us, doesn't he? Look at Ephesians 1. He tells us that all Christians are blessed with the spiritual blessings of heaven. We are sealed with the Spirit. We are adopted as children of God by the Spirit. We are chosen by God through faith in Christ. We are saved by Christ. We are brought into a personal relationship with God. We are sealed with the Spirit for eternity. God speaks a good word over you this morning. He's singing over you with joy this morning. And he says, you are my adopted child whom I love. And I've given my life for you in my son. So God blesses us every moment of every day. He speaks a good word over us. So what does it mean for us to bless God? Well, it's to speak a good word about God's kindness and generosity towards us, right? So we are to praise and thank God in whatever circumstance we're in. Even when we're in trials and struggles, we should praise God. And you might say, especially when we're in trials, because it's there when we praise God that the Holy Spirit meets with us and transforms us and lifts our eyes and our perspective heavenward. God is always good, always kind, always loving, always worthy of our praise, always. He doesn't change. But for David, it's not just a private activity. We're to bless God when we gather with his people in worship. Verse three, glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name. I love that. It's as if David is saying to the whole congregation, look, come on, guys, glorify the Lord with me. Let's exalt his name together. Don't we want to do that when we gather on a Sunday for worship? Don't we want to say to our brothers and sisters, come on, glorify the Lord with me. Let's lift his name. Let's exalt him. Let's magnify him together. That's what we're doing, isn't it? When we come together. As we 
sing our praises and as others hear praises being sung their hearts are lifted our hearts are lifted we don't we're not always in the mood are we when we come to worship sometimes we we feel downhearted crushed in spirit but as we hear others singing as we're in the atmosphere of God's presence so God lifts us out of the miry clay and sets our feet upon a rock that's why it's so important to sing because it's in the act of singing that God inhabits the praises of his people his presence comes in power when his people sing praises that's why we need to be here on on a Sunday Paul in the New Testament instructs us to praise God at all times this is what he says rejoice always pray continually give thanks in all circumstances now he doesn't say give thanks for all circumstances <laughs> he says in all circumstances even when we're grieving even when we're despondent and doubting and fearful we're to give praise to God give thanks because he's always worthy of our thanks and praise second we are to trust in the God who answers prayer do we believe in a God who answers prayer? David did. And David experienced that. Um, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. David was facing death by the king. But God delivered him. And David is inviting you and me this morning to pray to the same God who delivers us in our troubles. And if we turn to God in our prayers and seek his deliverance, David says this, verse 5, those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. I love that. <laughs> even in the valley, even in the tough times, even in the struggles, if we will pray and seek God, our faces can radiate the joy and contentment of God. That's what David is saying here. Even in the valley, our faces can radiate joy. Isn't that wonderful? David goes even further. I just, the promises here are just extraordinary in this psalm. Listen to this, verse 7. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Wow! So when you're praying for deliverance, when you're in the valley, when you're struggling, God sends his angel to encamp around you. That's not bad, is it? <laughs> wow. We're in a spiritual battle, folks, in case you haven't noticed. Right? 1 Peter 5. The devil is always prowling around looking for Christians to devour. Right? You know this. You experience it every day. Temptation, doubt, fear, despondency. He's roaring, looking to bring you down. But if we'll cry out to God in prayer, the angel of the Lord will encamp around us and protect us and shield us. But we have to pray, right? Um, I was reminded of the story of Daniel in the lion's den. Do you remember? Sunday school story, isn't it? King Darius set up an edict and he said, anyone caught praying to any God or person other than the king 
how you pray to a king, I don't know. But this was the law he set up, will be thrown in the lion's den. So what did Daniel do? When Daniel learned of this new law, he went straight to his room and he prayed and he kept praying three times a day, just as he'd always done. In other words, Daniel refused to obey the law and he prayed. And as a result, somebody grasped him up and told the king and the king reluctantly threw him into the lion's den. But what happened? Well, we're told that God sent his angel into the lion's den with Daniel and he, he shut the mouths of the lions. So although David was still in danger or in a dangerous place, he still went into the lion's den, didn't he? The lions were not able to eat him, to harm him. And that's what God does. God doesn't rescue us from dangerous and difficult places, but he shuts the mouth of the enemy and prevents the enemy from overwhelming us. Do we believe that? So we're not promised that life will be easy and we'll never go through the valley of the shadow of death. That's why Psalm 23 was written. There will be times when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but God promises if we believe and if we trust him to send his angel to encamp around us. Isn't that wonderful? God delivers us and he sends his angels on our behalf when we pray. Folks, we're involved in a spiritual battle. Prayer is where the battle is won and lost. When you go through the valley, the trials, the struggles, you are made, God makes wonderful promises. He says, nothing in all creation can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? There's nothing, not angels, nor demons, height or depth. Nothing in all creation can separate you from the love of God. Your eternal salvation is secure. God loves you, whatever you're going through, and he'll never leave you or forsake you. Isn't that wonderful? Third, we're called to enjoy God's goodness by living good lives. Did you know that God wants you to enjoy him? Folks, I'm giving you permission to enjoy God because the word wants you to enjoy God. God wants you to enjoy him, right? How do you enjoy him? You enjoy him by living a good life, of obeying him. It's that simple. Taste and see that the Lord is good. How do you taste? Well, to taste something, you've got to do something. I love curry. Um, I apologize to those who don't love curry, but I'm giving you this illustration anyway. Sam told me that he's got the best curry house ever in Sheffield. So we went and I have to say it was amazing. Uh, this curry house in Sheffield, they actually came to your table and they talked to you about all the ingredients in the curry and what proportion of ingredients you wanted in your curry. I have never had that in a curry house around here, never. If you wanted extra onions, tomatoes, spices, in other words, they were willing to tailor the curry to your taste within the different um, curries that they had on the menu. It was service like I'd never experienced, quite honestly. For me, curry is one of God's gifts. <laughs> there will be, this is a word of prophecy, 
there will be a curry mile in heaven. I've decreed it. All right? There is a point to this. Sometimes when me and Sarah are out for a meal, not usually a curry, Sarah will say to me, shall we try a bit of each other's meal? Now, I'm not a great sharer, so I find this difficult. But you know that moment when you think, if I share this a little bit with somebody and theirs is better than mine, so I'm always a bit reluctant because if I'm enjoying my meal, I don't want to taste Sarah's if it's better than mine because I'll, 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 I'll think I should have had that, right? Anybody else? Okay, good. Thank you, Nige. Nige doesn't share curry, by the way. Paula told me. It's very, yeah, anyway. The point I'm getting around to is this. If we're going to taste and enjoy the experience of food, you've got to do something. It's no good looking across at somebody's meal and going, oh, that looks really nice. I would imagine that that tastes delicious, right? You've actually got to pick up your fork and knife. You've got to cut the food. You've got to put it into your mouth. You've got to chew it. And only then can your taste buds and your nose get to work on enjoying the flavors in the food, right? So to taste and see that the Lord is good, we've actually got to do something, right? We've actually got to act. Um, we've got to trust in God and act in prayer. Verse eight, um, keep your, Sorry, going back one, Quentin, if you don't mind. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. So if we're going to taste and see that the Lord is good and enjoy him, we're going to have to take refuge in him. And to take refuge in him means to pray when you need God and when you need help. That's how you act. That's how you enjoy the taste of God, is to trust in him through prayer. But also, we're to enjoy God's goodness and uh, taste that he's good as we do good that God calls us to do. Verse 13, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. So you will taste and see that the Lord is good if you do good, right? If you find refuge in him in prayer and you do good, you will enjoy his goodness. So we have to act. We have to do something to enjoy God's goodness. We are to bring reconciliation to broken lives. We are to be peacemakers in broken relationships and in a broken world. We are to seek peace in our family life. We are to speak God's truth to those who need it in love. We are, we are to seek to advance the kingdom by serving God's justice for the poor and the oppressed in our community and in our world. We are to preach the gospel to bring men and women to peace with God. And if we fear God by living righteous lives and, and trusting him, verse 9 says this. This is wonderful. Fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. That's not bad, is it? You will have all the contentment, all the joy, 
of God if you fear him and keep his commands and do good and trust him. You will lack nothing. I'm going with that. I'm happy. Fear the Lord. Here's the final encouragement for you to, to send you off with joy. Encouragement. The righteous will be seen and heard by God. Verse 15. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. Alan Hearn quoted from 1 Peter 3 that quotes from this psalm, right? God is open to listen to and act on the prayers of the righteous. God will turn away from those who don't obey him. That's what the word says. If we live outside of God's will, if we don't do good, if we're disobedient to God's word, God will not hear our prayers. He will turn his face away from us. But if we keep God's commands, if we trust in him, he will bless us. He will turn to us and hear us and deliver us when we're in trouble. Verse 17, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. It doesn't say the perfect, it says the righteous. In other words, those who are seeking to obey God and love him and do his word, even when they make mistakes, will, the God will hear them and deliver them. Isn't that great? What an encouragement to obey God and to do good and to pray. David recognizes that there are times when we're brokenhearted and crushed in spirit. Verse 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. There are times. David was brokenhearted and crushed in spirit in his life at times, wasn't he? But God makes this wonderful promise that the Lord is close to us. Uh, let me tell you a, a personal testimony here. Um, when my dad uh, died, uh, I just missed uh, getting there by about two minutes. My mum and my brother were there. And I remember standing at the foot of his bed up at um, the hospital up at Oxford. And um, we just held one another and sobbed, as you do, you know. But I prayed, knowing that dad was a Christian and knowing that he'd gone on to glory, as, as we hugged each other, the three of us, through the sobs, I prayed that God would help us to let go of dad and that God would look after him. Now, that sounds sentimental, but when you, you know, it, it's a belief, isn't it? It's a trust. And myself and my mum and my brother received comfort and grace in that moment where just as you're sobbing and crying out to God, entrusting your loved one into God's hands, just felt the presence of God, just come and comfort and strengthen. That's what God says. This is a wonderful promise. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. It's so true. You will have your own testimony of this. God is there in the midst of the valley, the pain, the grief. The reason that God comes close is that in Jesus, he's come close already. You see, on the cross, Jesus fulfilled this psalm, didn't he? He was crushed and brokenhearted. 
He cried out in anguish, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But even more than that, John tells us in John 19 that this was to fulfill all that the psalm had prophesied, that not even one of his legs, not even one of Jesus' bones was broken. Verse 20 says this, he protects all his bones, not one of them will be broken. And in John uh, chapter 19, you can look this up when you get home, John records that this fulfills the prophecy of David in John 19. It says this, but when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth and he testifies so that you also may believe. These things happen so that the scripture will be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And as another scripture says, they will look on the one they have pierced. Jesus was crushed and downhearted on the cross and forsaken by the Father precisely so that you and me would never be forsaken and crushed and brokenhearted. We're not promised a life of ease without suffering, but we are promised God's deliverance because Christ died for our sin. He delivered us from sin and death, the curse of sin, which is death, and he rose from the grave. And he's alive now, interceding, praying for you at the right hand of the Father. Do you believe that this morning? His resurrection tells you that he has overcome the enemy. He is victorious. He is seated in power and victory at the right hand of God. He is the perfect sacrificial lamb who takes away the sin of the world. He is the one who fulfills all prophecy. God's sentence on sin, which is death, has been overcome through the resurrection. So God declares you and I not guilty, not condemned. In fact, in Romans 8 verse 1, he says this, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Because Jesus died and rose again and has broken the power and curse of sin and death and the evil one. You're on the victory side with Jesus. He has delivered us, and one day he will deliver us fully when we enter a new heaven and a new earth with no more death, no more pain, no more suffering, no more sin. Wow. I'm just in awe of this psalm this morning. I, words fail me. Isn't God good? And he wants you to enjoy his goodness, his deliverance. He wants you to trust him. What is it you need to trust him for today? Is it for a loved one to come to faith? Is it that you're facing a difficult decision or situation in your work? or in your family life? Where do you need to take refuge in God today? 
but I believe there's a particular word uh, for people who are um, downhearted this morning. God would say to you that if you will trust him and find refuge in him, he will come close to you. He wants you to experience his presence, his joy, his Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this incredible psalm. Lord, we, we don't have words to say thank you. But Lord, thank you for the wonderful promise that you are close to the brokenhearted, to those who are crushed in spirit. And I pray, Lord, for, for those who are downhearted and crushed in spirit, whether on Zoom or whether here with us this morning. Lord, I pray that you would draw close to them. Help them to take refuge in you by prayer. Help them to do good, Lord, to seek peace and pursue it. And help us all to enjoy you, Lord, to fear you by trusting in you, by loving you, by serving you, by doing good. Fill us, Father, with your goodness this morning. Fill us with your joy through the Holy Spirit. Draw close to us, Father, as we draw close to you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. This uh, final song is a prayer. Um, it's a really well-known song. And it's, I want us to sing this as a prayer to God. Maybe, maybe you're in the valley this morning. Maybe you need God to draw close to you. This is a prayer that you can pray as we sing. Because God is our rock, our refuge. Let's stand and, and sing.
Amen. If you'd like uh, to receive prayer, then please uh, just remain in here. And a number of the prayer team, including myself, will just uh, linger in here for a while. And uh, if you'd like prayer, just remain in here. Otherwise, make your way through uh, for coffee. Words of the blessing. And now may the blessing of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with us all and remain with us always. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mark.